Where business and design are together at last, this is the Engineering and Leadership Podcast. Welcome to Episode 4 of the Engineering Leadership Podcast. It's a show dedicated to helping engineers and engineering teams thrive through the mastery of business, management, and leadership. Head over to engineeringandleadership.com slash get started for a free 12-part mini course on how to become an engineering leader. It offers easy to implement, actionable steps to help jumpstart your abilities as a leader. That address again is engineeringandleadership.com slash get started. In today's episode, you'll learn why money is important for engineers and the most important thing there is to know about how money works in the world of engineering. Today's episode is sponsored by audiobooks.com. If you love podcasts, then you're also going to love audiobooks. Audiobooks.com has over 60,000 high-quality books on topics like management, leadership, and productivity. Go to engineeringandleadership.com slash audiobook to try it out and get a free book. That's engineeringandleadership.com slash audiobook for your free book. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 4 of the Engineering and Leadership Podcast. I'm Pat Sweet. On today's show, it's all about money. In fact, the whole month last month was dedicated to money, finance, and accounting for engineers. And if you checked out the blog, there was all sorts of stuff there. This is the first podcast I've had in a long time, so I thought I'd tie it into the theme that we had for the month. Today, we're going to dig into why an understanding of money is so important for engineers and the concept of the time value of money. So why should engineers learn about money anyway? It may seem like finance and accounting are a bit outside of what an engineer should care about. If we, if we have accountants and financial analysts, why would an engineer ever need to worry about money? Well, as it turns out, there are plenty of reasons why an engineer should care about money. In the last few years, it's become more and more clear to me how valuable it is to know about how money works and how it drives a business. For example, Understanding money can help you make smarter design decisions, make your businesses more successful, make your clients happy, and help you differentiate yourself from your peers and get promoted faster. I can think of quite a few examples where I was super thankful to have had a a solid grounding in the world of dollars and cents. If you look at project management or R&D, trade-off studies, bids and project proposals, there's no end to the number of places where knowing about money is hugely important. For example, if you want to move into management one day, you're going to need to know how to budget people's time and other resources. Time and things have a common denominator, and that's money. Now, let me be clear, money isn't all that's important in this world. However, it is the lifeblood of a business, and it's one of the most important measures of a business's success. When you run out of money, it's game over. On the other hand, a profitable company is able to keep its doors open, employ people, and actually do some good in the world, which, in my books, is pretty sweet. The first and most important thing that you need to learn about money is that its value is dynamic. A dollar today does not carry the same value as a dollar tomorrow. This is referred to as the time value of money, and this is probably the most important thing to know about money for an engineer, 
especially when it comes to evaluating something like the life cycle cost of a design. For example, does spending more on high-grade insulation for a new building today save enough money down the road to justify the initial expense? Every situation is unique, but understanding that the value of money fluctuates as a function of time is super important in making this kind of assessment. Now, before I go on, I just want to make a little note about discount rates and interest rates. And for now, I'd like to keep things pretty simple and just say that an interest rate is the rate at which money changes value in time. Think of your savings account, for example. It has an interest rate, and that tells you how fast your money will grow in the future. It's the same idea here. There's a lot that goes on into into deciding what the right interest rate is when doing certain calculations, but we're not going to get into that right now. If you go to your company's accounting or finance department, they'll be able to tell you what rate your company should use. Also, you may have come across the term discount rate in the past. In reality, there's no real difference between a discount rate and an interest rate. You use the same number in the same places in financial formulas. When you look forward to see how much money you have today will grow in the future, you call it an interest rate. When you look backwards to see how much less a future value is in today's dollars, we call that a discount rate. For example, you discount the future value by a certain amount to determine its present day value. All of this is going to make a lot more sense as I discuss things in the rest of the podcast. So if I'm already confusing you a little bit, just try and be a bit patient and I will hold your hand through the rest of this. The best way for me to explain the time value of money is to talk through an example. So we're going to try doing that right now. The example I want to talk about is solving for the future value of $100. The most general formula for relating money in the future and money in the present is that the future value is equal to the present value times some interest rate to an exponent of time. Let's say that you give me $100 today. If I invest that $100 for a year at 5%, what will the future value of the $100 be? Well, that's pretty easy. It's, it's going to be $105. Most people will know a little bit intuitively that you multiply your $100 by 1.05 to get $105. So now we can see that $105 a year from now is equivalent to $100 today. If you give me $100 today, I can turn that into $105 in a year's time. If you give me $100 a year from now, obviously that wouldn't be as good as giving me $100 today because I'm, I'm losing that opportunity to earn interest over a year. So there's a $5 difference in $100 today versus $100 a year from now. Often we want to know if payments we receive in the future are going to be worth some sort of investment today. Earlier in the podcast, we talked a little bit about that example of using high-grade insulation and whether or not that was a a worthy investment based on how much energy we might save over the life of a project. The trick to doing calculations like that are to bring all dollar values into the same baseline in terms of time. Normally, we bring everything to be in terms of today's dollars. So we already know what the initial investment is going to be because that's, that's money spent today. That'll be in today's dollars What we have to do is translate the future savings into today's dollars as well. Then we can compare the present value of those future payments to the initial cost. This is really the essence of what's called net present value analysis. You've probably heard net present value or NPV. This is all this is getting at, is bringing all cash flows into terms of today's dollars 
to evaluate whether or not the cash inflows and the cash outflows make sense. So let's look at an example. Say you could spend $100 today in order to save $40 in energy bills for the next three years. Do the savings make the initial investment worth it? To start, we have to remember, we can't just say 40 plus 40 plus 40 is 120. Now, that, that might be tempting, and that would be $120, which is more than the, the 100 that we invested, so it, it looks like a good investment. This approach is wrong because we haven't accounted for the time value of money for the future savings. None of the $40 savings will actually be worth $40 in today's terms. Therefore, we need to transform them into today's dollars to be able to compare the savings to the initial investment. Let's say in this example we're using an interest rate of 10%. Using the formula from above, we can calculate the present value of the three future payments independently, then add them all together and see what the total savings are in terms of today's dollars. And probably best to, uh, to go to the show notes uh, to see the formulas and how they work out, because I've got everything typed up. It's just a little bit hard to, to explain verbally. But what you'll see is that the $40 savings at the end of the first year is worth only about $36 in today's terms. The second year's $40 savings are worth about $33 in today's terms. And the third year's $40 savings are only worth about $30 in today's terms. So when you add all those three up, you get $99.47, which is actually less than that $100 initial investment. So what that tells me is that this is not a good investment. Even though it looks like you'd be saving 40 plus 40 plus 40, you're actually only saving just shy of $100 in today's terms. So, so that really illustrates the importance of understanding the time value of money. Without an understanding of uh, of this particular feature of money, you can make poor design decisions and poor investment decisions. The concept of time value of money comes up all the time in engineering. Now, I used to work in the rail industry, and something we used to talk about all the time is whether it was worth it to implement more advanced, more expensive subsystems and technology on our trains in order to save us either energy or maintenance costs down the road. Another example is in research and development. When you start an R&D project and you, ha you have a budget for R&D, you hope to see that the work you do today will result in either better sales or lower costs in the future. Both result in increased profits for a company. In order to determine if the increased profits is enough to justify the original spending money on the R&D project, you have to take into account the time value of money. So now, putting it into practice, the challenge that I'd like to issue to you this week is, uh, is to sort out for yourself where you might actually be able to put this into practice. And uh, I'd love for you to write me. Just go to the show notes. It's going to be at engineeringandleadership.com slash session four. Go to the comment section in the bottom and let me know where you think you might be able to apply this knowledge. And if you have applied it, I'd love to hear about how you did it and how it went. Again, that's engineeringandleadership.com slash session four. Now the engineering and leadership mailbag. This is the part of the show where I read your mail, comments, tweets, and messages 
whatever you've sent me over the last little while. Uh, I love to get those messages and I, I promise to read absolutely everything you send me. And with each podcast, I share some of my favorites on the show. Kansa wrote me an email recently asking about cost-effective professional development. She writes, I hope you're doing well. I contacted you a few years back asking about online options for masters in engineering. You suggested I go through Coursera and EDX to see what I would like to study and then look for online universities. I've done that, but the online universities are pretty expensive. Their fees sometimes are even more, but definitely at least on par with on-campus fees, although I'm not using the campus. On the other hand, people with accounting or finance backgrounds can easily study at home or do certifications like the CFA, CPA, CMA, etc., which cost next to nothing, are better than just any master's degree and are recognized all over the world. Don't we engineers have such certifications which are well-recognized, require home study, and give an exam at a proctoring center and can be done with it? Now, these are fantastic questions, Kansa. Um, with respect to cost-effective, globally recognized certifications, there are a few that I think engineers in general would be interested in. The one that is most common among engineers, that in my experience anyway, is the project management professional designation that's provided from Project Management International. Many engineers work in project-based environments, so knowing how to manage a project is incredibly useful. Even if your role on the project isn't as a project manager, knowing how projects work and are managed can help you thrive within that environment. Many professional associations have their own designations. For example, you can get designations in energy management, systems engineering, engineering management, risk management. There's no end to the stuff that you can pursue. Probably the most important question is what are you interested in? You know, what field would you like to investigate? What are you passionate about? If you know that, then I suggest the next step is to try and find some kind of industry association tied to those interests and seeing if they offer a particular set of courses or professional designations. Then I got three emails recently, uh, one from Wolfgang, one from Khadija, and one from Pratik. Uh, they all wrote me emails in the last week or so, suggesting that I tackle topics on helping engineers know their value in the marketplace and how to actually get a salary to reflect that value. Um, in fact, I thought this was such an excellent idea. I wrote uh, a full 2,000 word piece on how to know what your salary should be. So if you just check out the blog at engineeringandleadership.com and search for engineering salary, you'll find a, a post that I wrote. Uh, I'll also add a link in the show notes so that it's easy to, uh, easy to get to. But again, great idea, guys. And I'm really glad you suggested it. Uh, if anyone else has any ideas on what ideas on what they would like to see on the blog, write me. I always love hearing from you, and uh, it, it serves as great motivation to hear from you guys. So thank you very much for the suggestion. Finally, Deep Pally left a comment on the blog post, How to Leave That Corporate Job That Is Making You Miserable, uh, which is something that a friend of mine, Tyler Watkins, wrote not long ago. And Dipali says, Sir, I'm in third year of computer science engineering, but I am no more interested in it. I want to go for journalism. Journalism is something which gives me happiness. Also, I'm a poet. I've written poems which have been praised by many, but my passions are nowhere related to my degree. What should I do? What are the options available if I quit my college? 
Dipali, this is a good question. And I think this is something that lots of people struggle with. I'd say it's okay to change course as long as you grow and realize what you are interested in and what makes you happy. If you'd like to become a journalist, then that's great. But how do you really know you love journalism? Have you ever worked as a journalist? If not, I highly recommend you try and get some experience at, as an intern or a co-op program, something before switching courses. Otherwise, you seriously risk running into the exact same problem that you're in right now. As for poetry, I'd recommend you keep writing and sharing your poetry, even if it's not a full-time job. You know, this is something that you can do on the side and can do outside of working hours. And it's amazing how much work you can produce in your spare time if you really dedicate time to it. Most people, if they just cut out television in the run of a week, you could, you could pursue all the passion projects you could ever want. If you want, you can even self-publish a book and sell it yourself. You, you don't need anyone else's permission to create and distribute your art. You just, you know, in this day and age, you can just do it. So uh, go for it, and I hope that really works out. And, uh, and I'd love to see some of your poetry, so don't be afraid to, uh, to send it over. Again, I want to thank everyone who writes in. If you have something to say, just head over to facebook.com slash angelleader and leave me a note, or go to engineeringandleadership.com slash episode four and leave a comment. Up next, the Engineering Toolbox. In this part of the show, I'll share with you some kind of tool or resource that I use that I find super helpful in my own engineering career, and that I think you might also find helpful in your quest to become an engineering leader. Today's useful resource is pdhengineer.com. This is a website I've used for years for professional development. They have an incredible amount of material here to teach you almost any, anything really related to engineering. What's best is that the courses are recognized by many engineering jurisdictions for professional development hours, so your employer might just foot the bill for you. Uh, and if not, in the very least, you do get those engineering hours, uh, professional development hours recognized. If you enjoyed this podcast and are interested in developing your own business skills, I highly recommend you check these guys out. Just go to engineeringandleadership.com slash business skills to see the available courses. Again, that's engineeringandleadership.com slash business skills. That's all the time we have for the show today. Like I said, uh, the month of February was all about money for engineers, and I thought it would be great to tie this podcast into that theme for the blog. If there's anything you'd like to know about, I'd love to hear about it. I love hearing from my readers, from my listeners, about the kind of things that they're interested in so I can tune what I do to better serve you. I've already heard from a lot of you about things that uh, you've wanted to, to read or hear about in the past, so keep sending it my way. If there's anything you'd like to hear about, just leave a comment in the show notes. Again, engineeringandleadership.com slash episode four. If you enjoyed the show, it would be fantastic if you could subscribe to it and leave a review on iTunes for me, whether that's a, a good review, a bad review, or whatever. Uh, I need those reviews in order to improve this show for you. So please do leave me a note. I'd love to hear from you. Again, if you have any ideas or thoughts on how to make the show better, let me know that too. Don't forget to head on over to engineeringandleadership.com slash get started for your free course on becoming an engineering leader. 
And until next time, take care and we'll talk again soon.